We're uh, in our, uh, what are we, third parts of our series, Chasing the American Dream. Will you say that out loud with me? Chasing the American Dream. And so we started this series from the premise that, um, that the American Dream, probably as we know it now, has become nothing more than... Uh, uh, getting bigger houses and nicer cars, and that is the dream, that you end up, get to go to college and you get to have more stuff. And uh, we actually kind of sell that in our movies and, you know, through our media and the nations of the world will come here and say, you know, I, I know I'm living the American dream if I get to have, you know, a nice car and a nice house. And quite honestly, that's not really the American dream. That's maybe what some have morphed it into. And so what we did was we went back in history here in the United States to really identify this term chasing the American dream. And it came out quite clearly to us that the, that the originators, the founders of our nation, uh, identified what was the American dream in our Declaration of Independence, that all men are created equal, and that we have this right to pursue life, liberty, and happiness. And I challenged us the first week in this series that those, those three concepts come straight out of Scripture. That it was Jesus himself that said, I've come that you might have life. And life more abundantly. And I don't know why when we get in church life, we start thinking, well, life, I just have to, you know, I just have to be religious and I just have to be grateful and, and I just can't overexpress myself. No, I have come, Jesus said, that you might have life. Everybody say life. life. And life more abundantly. And then he also said, I have come to set the captives free. Life, liberty, or freedom. And we see that literally and the pursuit of happiness. And then he also, the Holy Scripture says, and that the joy of the Lord would be your strength. These are the pieces out of, straight out of Scripture that our founding fathers identified as the three key pieces to what the American dream would be. That we have the ability to pursue it no matter the color of our skin, our economic background, no matter what we've been through, who we are, educational level, or anything like that. That we could pursue these rights that we have, and they come straight out of Scripture. And I, I was challenging us even two weeks ago that that didn't come from the Egyptians, you know. They, they didn't find some, you know, ancient Indian manuscript or, you know, Chinese manuscript, and that's where they got these concepts. They came straight out of the Holy Scriptures. You know why? Because the original American dream is God's dream for you and me. He wants us to be able to enjoy life, that we could be free, that we don't need a case of beer to be able to calm down our day on Friday because we had such a bad, stressful week, that we're free from the hatred and the bitterness and the criticism that so easily happens in the, the prejudiceness of life, that we, you and I can be free from that, that we don't have to be controlled by our own lustful passions, that we can live free. And then, of course, that we can pursue happiness. And it's, for me, I, I just don't get it. You know, people tell me all the time, you're so crazy. And I have to explain to them, I was crazy before I was a Christian. So once I became a Christian, I didn't change that and say, oh, now I have to somehow be morbidly, you know, uh, insecure about expressing my love and enjoying life. Just the opposite. He said in his word that the joy of the Lord will be my strength. I enjoy Jesus and I enjoy this life and I enjoy my beautiful family. I've got the greatest family in the world and we should enjoy those things. Isn't that good? Say yes. And so last week we talked about um, the, the, the three functions. I, I kind of identified them. The three functions of obedience obedience that release God's supernatural power. We were talking about the word blessed a little bit last week in reference to life, liberty, and happiness. That These are really the blessings of God, the power of God at work in our life. And the, and the Bible uses the term blessing when it's talking about His supernatural power working to bless our life. And He says, I will bless you. And unfortunately, it's become this Christianese term. Everybody puts it on their bumper sticker. I'm blessed. I'm blessed. They write their t-shirt, blessed. I'm so blessed. And it becomes kind of weird and goofy, you know. But really, that came straight out of scripture God constantly is telling us that he wants to bless us and what that means is he wants to work supernaturally in the things of our lives so that we can have life 
liberty, and happiness. And so we gave you three functions in Scripture that I see that release these blessings or the supernatural power. Number one was first fruits. We talked about that last week extensively. The tithe, the first fruits. He says, listen, he says, test me. See if you'll bring the first fruits. You'll bring a tithe before me. Watch and see if I won't pour you out a blessing. There's still a lot of you know folks that really struggle with that because, well, that's old covenant versus new co- co- covenant. I tried to approach that a little bit last week real quickly. And then the second area that we said the second function of obedience that releases God's supernatural power. Number two was gratitude. It was gratitude. And then the third area was stewardship. And so today we'll talk about gratitude. And when we come back next week from the holidays, we'll talk about the stewardship of the Lord. And so in reference to gratitude, I thought this was hilarious. Uh, President-elect uh, Trump was at the beach and he got, he got in trouble. He's out swimming out in the deep and he got in trouble and he cried out for help. So three young men jumped into the water and went and rescued and pulled him out. And Mr. Trump, being so grateful and wanting to be thankful for what they had done, promised. He said, listen, guys, whatever you want within reason, you ask for it and I'll buy it for you. I'm just grateful that you saved my life. And the first young man said, well, you know, I've always wanted a Harley Davidson. He said, you go down to that shop, you buy that thing, send me the bill and I'll pay for it. The second young man said, well, you know, I'd like an all-terrain sports vehicle. That would, I mean, that would be cool. That would be like a dream come true. He says, listen, I'm so grateful that you saved my life. You go down there, you get that thing signed up and I'll pay for that as well. And the third young man said to him, he said, well, listen, I would like for you to buy me a state-of-the-art wheelchair. And, the, and, and, and Donald Trump looked at him and said, well, well, that don't make any sense. You're healthy and you're strong. Why would you want a wheelchair? He says, because when I go home and tell my dad that I saved your life, he's going to break every bone in my body today. Come on. So, hey, watch yourself. All right, so we're talking about gratitude and about thankfulness. So we're in Psalms chapter 9, verse 1 through 2. I, I told the earlier surfaces, if you will memorize or if you'll hold on to the key scripture every week in our messages, those key scriptures always point to what that message is about. Those key scriptures also, if you'll memorize those, you'll know more scripture than any other Christian around the United States. And so I always give you a little key scripture that kind of summarizes the thought process of that message. So today's key scripture is Psalms chapter 9, verse 1 and 2. He says, I will praise you, O Lord, with my whole heart, not half my heart, with my whole heart. And I will, I will, uh, excuse me, I will tell of all your marvelous works. Everybody say marvelous, marvelous works. Come on, say miracle workings. There you go. I will tell of all the miraculous, marvelous works that you've done in my life. I will be glad and rejoice in you. I will sing praise to your name. Oh, most high. Look what the psalmist says. He says, listen to me. He says, God, you have done so many great things for my life. I will tell of all your marvelous works. I love that passage in Psalms. He says, when I enter the sanctuary, I will not keep my lips pressed together. I will shout out of all the good things that you've done in my life. We're talking about gratitude. We're talking about gratefulness today. We're talking about thankfulness. This is a key component to unlocking God's supernatural power in our life. You think about that, those of you with children. When my children want something and I look at them and, I, and they say, well, I want a new bike. Well, you don't even ride the bike you got. You're not even grateful for what you already have. Why would I keep giving you something else? I think this is a principle that I see in scripture that God loves to do supernatural things for his people, but he also is looking for the heart that is tender and grateful and full of gratitude and thankful for what he's already done. See, if you can't be thankful for what you got right now, imagine how in the world can he give you more? Because if you won't be grateful now, you surely won't be grateful in the future. Isn't that good? Say yes. Amen. I don't know if you understand this, but 250 times the Bible tells us to 
Praise the Lord. I know that sounds like a 70s Christian television show, but that's literally what it tells us to do. 250 times. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord in the sanctuary. Praise the Lord. When you come in front of the people in the gatherings of believers, praise the Lord. In other words, remind yourself of all the great things that God has done for you. If there's anything that I've been discouraged about as I've watched our nation grow and change over the last 20 or 30 years, I just find that people just aren't grateful anymore. I think it's because we're so far into this thing now, you know, a couple hundred years of being a free nation. And and, and then I meet international folks who get to come here and become citizens. And they're just so grateful to have an opportunity that they can can build equity. They, They can pursue life, liberty, and happiness where they weren't able to in the country they came from. It's magnificent when they to see in their eyes the gratitude and the, uh, the opportunity to be able to better themselves and make their life better. And I think if we're not careful, even as Christians, we forget all of his benefits. He, the psalmist said, let me not forget all your benefits towards me. Let me not forget all that you've done for me. Frank, can I remind you of something? You used to be wicked. He said, not me. I grew up in the church. Then your daddy used to be wicked. No, no, no. I'm third generation Christian. Your grandfather was wicked. And had he not given himself to Jesus, you would not know the beautiful life that you live today. Friend, I want you to know something. I know how far away I was from God. I know how wicked I was. You know, I was telling the earlier services, I, I, I would be in jail right now. I know that I know I'd be in jail right now. And the reason why I know that I'd be in jail, because I had this thing stirring in me to be rich by any means necessary. To lie, cheat, steal. I wouldn't have done drugs and things like that, I'd have been a white collar crime. You know, I I would have found some way with the whole internet process to steal all of your money online. I would have put it in some offshore bank account. I'd have done my 10 years and then I'd have been a billionaire ever ever from that point on. That was my plan in life on how to be rich is to take shortcuts and do all these other things. But Jesus came into my life and transformed my life. A little boy who didn't have a daddy, a single mom doing her best to raise me and and, and all the boyfriends that she had that were wicked and, and, and full of drugs life and he came invaded that space and saved me thank God for that little Sunday school teacher who reached out and told me about Jesus Christ and if it weren't for that moment and those people and all throughout the years person after person who invested their life into my life making me who I am today I am grateful to Jesus for transforming my life I told I was telling the earlier services every now and then I'll just sit there and it'll and I'll just I'm just thinking about all that God's done for me and how grateful I am. And before you know it, I'll start singing that song, you know, when I think about the Lord, how he picked me up and turned me around, how he placed my feet on solid ground, it makes me want to shout, hallelujah, thank you, Jesus. And I'll just find myself driving down, Lord, you're worthy. And I just, and people driving by looking at me like, you all right over there? I'm doing and the reason that is is because I'm grateful. I'm grateful that I have a beautiful church like you guys. You, you guys don't understand. Some of you that are new to us, a year and a half ago, we didn't have a facility. We were meeting on Sunday evenings at a Methodist church, renting out space from them, and we had a little trailer. Everything we owned fit in that trailer, and none of it was any good. I mean, just a little bitty five by eight or four, four by eight, four, something, five by eight, five by ten trailer. Everything in our little church fit in that little trailer. That's all we had. And when God did the miracle of giving us this facility, you don't understand. When I, I'll come up here sometimes late at night, and I'll just walk the building. I'm just like, thank you, God. Thank you for this chair right here. We never had chairs before. And I remember what it was like to ha- not have anything. 
knew what it was like to have Sunday night. Nobody would come except our regular folks, the same little handful of people who loved us. and was No one ever came and gave their life to Jesus. People weren't getting changed and delivered. And I was so frustrated. God, please do a miracle. And the moment he dropped this miracle facility on us and, and literally established us in this community. And it's been so wonderful. And I'm so grateful that I can't help but say, thank you, Jesus. I can't help but say, thank you, Jesus. You are so good and so kind. There's a passage that we want to study tonight out of the book of Luke chapter 17. The book of Luke, if you'll turn there quickly with me, Luke chapter 17, verses 11 through 19. It should probably have a title called the 10 lepers, but we'll look in verse 11. It says, now on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveling along the border between Samaria and Galilee, As he was getting into a village, ten men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. And when he saw them, he said, Go show yourself to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. One of them, when he saw he was healed, came back praising God in a what? Everybody say with me, loud voice. With a loud voice, he says, and he came back with a loud, Jesus, Master, you, no, I'm sorry, had pity on That's what they said. Back to verse 15. One of them, when he saw that he was healed, there we go, came back praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him, and he was a Samaritan. Verse 17, Jesus asked, were not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said to him, rise and go, your faith has made you well. If you've been with us any length of time at the earlier part of the year, I was talking a little bit about leprosy, and, uh, and I was co- correlating it to a message that we were talking about then, but let me just kind of remind some of you that weren't there with us in those days. Leprosy was this horrible, horrible death, uh, death sentence of a disease in Bible times. We had no cure for it in those days. In fact, if you uh, got leprosy, whether you were very wealthy or very poor, it didn't matter. There was no medical uh, uh, place that you could go that could heal you. And all they would do with you is outcast you out of the community of people. You would have to go live out in the wilderness. You'd have to be extracted because it was so highly contagious and it was such a vicious disease. We don't see anything much like it these days. In those days, leprosy, what it would do is it would start with your extremities and begin to rot them off. It was a, a rotting of the flesh disease, if you will. And most of the time, noses and ears, and again, the extremities, fingers, toes, those kind of things, until finally you just died of a slow, agonizing, painful death of your body rotting away, almost like a corpse. It's, uh, it's an unbelievable disease if you go back and study it. it. It's just phenomenal. And so in Bible times, if you had leprosy, you would have to be presented to the priest. He would identify you as being a leper, and then you would be outcast. You'd never get to kiss your kids again. You, it didn't matter. You, you, you had to quit your job, whatever you were involved in, and then they would literally cast you outside of the city. And so between city to city, city and village to village, you had these spaces where people would just kind of live out in the wilderness on the on the trash pile many times where they would go throw the trash the lepers would live and, and scrounge for food and things like that sometimes family members would remember them and bring food to them and so forth but they couldn't have any interaction in fact by by jewish law um if you had leprosy, you had to identify yourself anytime someone came walking close to you. And so leopards would stand there uh, as, as people were approaching, and they'd have to yell out, unclean, unclean, unclean. And can you imagine just the psychological damage of all this, waiting to die, the out, that you're outcast, you're away from your family and friends, you're no longer, a, a, you're, you're the walking dead. That's literally what you are. And so Jesus, as he's approaching this area along the border of Samaria, 10 lepers begin begin bold and courageously yelling out, 
Jesus, Master, have mercy, have pity on us. Friend, can I tell you something? When you're desperate, you don't care how loud you are. When, 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 when you know that problems are there. Listen, I, I, I've seen, I, I was in Walmart one time and I saw this lady who could not find her child. She went all crazy ghetto all of a sudden. She started, hey, don't nobody leave until I find my kid, little white lady. She went all crazy and loud and stuff. And you know that wasn't her personality. Why? She was desperate. See, I, you know, when people tell me, you know, well, I just think that religion and Christianity and church should just be calm. And listen, not for me, friend. I was desperate. God changed me. And as a result, I respond just the way this guy did with a loud voice, thanking him and praising him and grateful for all that he's done in my life. We used to, I grew up in a church that uh, there was a lady, she sat right about in this section right back here. And, uh, and every time during worship and about every other service, she gets super loud. Thank you, Jesus. Glory. Hallelujah. And, you know, it really made it awkward if you brought friends, you know, to visit church. And you're like, oh, dear God, please let her don't do it today. And this one particular Sunday, she was really especially loud and, and yelling and thanking God. And, and I just was so embarrassed. And afterwards, I went to one of the associate pastors. I was like, you know, y'all don't normally let people yell out like that. I said, you know, you normally don't let people draw attention away from the Lord and to themselves. And you let this lady uh, kind of be loud. And, you know, I, you know, I brought a friend. I don't know if they'll come back. And I'll never forget that pastor looked at me and said, well, good, they don't need to come back. I was like, what? We normally don't act that way. What, what do you mean? He goes, well, you need to understand something. See, that little lady for the last 20 years or so, she, well, let me, he said, let me back up. That lady, her husband abandoned her with those two kids. She's been a single mom working two jobs to try to provide for those children. And so as a result, you know, she was never home too much because she was working to put food on the table. They got involved in the wrong crowd. Before you know it, they were doing drugs. Before you know it, they were in and out of uh, prison and jail time. And, and then before you know it, they were selling drugs. And let me tell you something. Since she came to this church some 20 years ago, every Sunday she'd be up at the front crying out, Lord, save my children. Let my boys come back to you, oh Jesus. Lord, get them out of jail. Lord God, get them delivered. And every small group, hey guys, pray for my kids. I just need, to, need God to do a miracle. And we pray for those boys for the last 20 years and just a couple months ago they got radically saved God invaded their space let me tell you something she's so grateful to God for do, answering her prayers and doing miracles that she can shout all she wants come on somebody that's what it looks like to be grateful you don't just hold I'm just grateful I'm just grateful there's this excitement of the goodness of God when you and I embrace the fact that what he did we don't deserve come on now when you and I realize wait a minute I, I, it, it's not right that, that God would even care about who am I that God would even be mindful of me, I think is what the psalmist said, that, that he would even consider that I'm alive on the planet. What am I? And when you and I come to that place with a grateful heart, God does supernatural things. And we see in this moment as these lepers, as they are all heading and doing what Jesus told them to do. Now, Jesus answers them when they say cry, when they cried out and said, would you, would you have pity on us? Jesus answers them with this response. He says, go and see the priest. Go show yourself. Because based on Levitical law, if you had leprosy and by some chance, Either God did a miracle in your life or we misdiagnosed you and it really wasn't leprosy. What you would have to do, you could not go home. There was no doctor to go to. You had to go show yourself to the priest. And he had this little set of checklists that he would check you out. And if he deemed you free from leprosy, then you could be reengaged into the community. And so Jesus said, hey, he doesn't pray for them. He doesn't lay hands on them. He didn't cry out for them. He just said, hey... 
Go and show yourself to the priest. Can I tell you something? This is where most people make their mistake. Jesus is constantly trying to tell us things to do so that we can see the supernatural work in our life. But most of the time, we want it our way on our terms. And so as a result, we miss out on the supernatural power of God. And here's what I've learned. God God cares more about your heart than he cares about your flesh. Come on now. And so he'll tell you, hey, listen, won't you go repent to that person because you've offended them. Hey, you still have anger in your heart about so-and-so. Hey, you're still lying and cheating about this, and you need to go pay back what you've stolen. And we say, nope, that can't be God. I don't want to do it. That would be embarrassing. Those guys said, yes, sir, and they started heading that way. Now, you got to understand, they're lip- they got rags wrapped around all the open sores of pus that's coming out of their skin and all the rotting flesh, and they start heading their way to the priest. And the Bible says, as they go, they realize they've been healed. Can you imagine that? See, it's in that obedience as you're heading towards what God's telling you to do that healing happens and all of a sudden their skin, I don't know if their fingers shoot out and start growing and also their nose. I don't know exactly how it happened, but they are completely healed and in the midst, they haven't even made it to the priest's insinuation here. As they, on their way going, they realized they were healed and only one out of ten turned around and said, oh, no, whoa, and he comes running back to Jesus and throws himself, the Bible says he throws himself with, can you imagine as he's coming down the dirt road, he's running towards, hallelujah, thank you, Jesus, and he runs and he dives and throws himself at, at the feet of Jesus and begins worshiping him, and Jesus' response is this, wasn't there 10 of you? Where's the other nine? Catch the heart of the Father. Through his son. Wait a minute. We touched everybody. And only one of you care to come back and show your gratitude? I think this is directly connected to the next thing that happens. Then Jesus looks at him and he says this to him. He says, rise and go. Your faith has made you well. That word well is different than the word cleanse and healing. It's different in the Greek. See, I want to tell you something. There's a big difference between being healed on the outside and being made well all all the way through. And that's what this word in the Greek means. It means to be made whole. He says, rise and go because your faith has made you well. Not only when you obeyed did you get healing... But when you came back in faith with gratitude, it made you every whole. I've met a lot of people who go to church, but they're still bitter on the inside. They're still super insecure. Let me tell you something. There's one thing for God to do miracles and help you with your job and get you, you know, you're able to have children now and all these other things. It's another thing when you come with a grateful heart and in that gratefulness, something starts happening and all of a sudden you're so grateful that you even have a car that you're not sitting there on Facebook being mad that your friend just got a new car. You start becoming every whole. God makes you complete. He comes complete something on the inside of you where you're just happy to be you, where you don't have to be anybody, be anybody else. You're not mad about what you don't have. The other nine, the moment they got healed, I would imagine that what they did was when, wow, now finally, after years of misery, I can go hold my baby. Finally, I can go kiss my wife. Finally, I get to be a part of the community again. I can't believe all that I've been through. It wasn't fair, but God did a miracle. Thank God I finally get to go have what I want, and it's still probably all about them. That's why they never turned around and came to the giver of life and showed the gratitude that he deserved. And this is plaguing the church in America today. It's plagued me. Found myself over the years just taking for granted all that God's done. 
Listen, we're not going to skip Thanksgiving so we can go to Black Friday, friends. We are grateful for what God has done in our lives. You and I need to be cautious and careful. I am married to the most beautiful woman on the planet. I'm still convinced that she was blind for about six months in there. Once I got her to say yes, I just don't. And I think once, once her eyes were open, it was too late. I already had a ring on her finger. And it was, oh, God has done so many miracles in my life. I am so grateful. I thank him daily for my beautiful wife. My, my children love Jesus. Come on, a PKs who love God. I, I mean, I've got the greatest in-laws in the world. They love Jesus. They're the greatest givers. My mom and dad serve God. It's a miracle what God has done in our lives. And I'm so grateful. And I'm constantly reminding the Lord of how good he's been to me and grateful. And I think that's the reason he continues to pour out blessings and miracles on my life. Because I have learned over the years to be grateful. And I want to tell you the moment that I really learned it. The moment that I really learned it, show that picture. I was, uh, Jamie and I were doing some missions work and we had the privilege to go to Africa. Jamie actually sold her horse to be able to pay for the trip to go to Africa. And we raised funds and we went to Africa. You, look at me, you can tell which one I am. I don't know what that black spot is. I didn't have gauges in those days, so I have no idea what that is on my ear. But uh, you notice my Jabot jeans, so they were placed in the time frame right there. I don't know if you noticed that. But we were, in, we were uh, right there in Kenya and uh, it was my first time in Africa. I, I got radically transformed at 14 years old in Haiti, the poorest country in our hemisphere, when I went there for the first time. But something happened in this moment that transformed my heart and my mind. We were out in the streets witnessing and loving on the homeless kids. They have no homes. They have no place. You can see them. They have no place to live. They have no moms and dads. Most of them, you know, are uh, you're scrounging for food and living under trees and under cardboard boxes and things like that. And as we were out there just loving on these kids, the guy was... They're with us, and they all speak English, you know, because it's, you know, it's British, you know, conquered everybody. And so, and so we're there talking with them and stuff, and then we started praying with them, and they started giving their life to Jesus. And that they didn't know that they, they were, the God that created them also loved them and that he wanted a relationship with them. And as we began to pray with them to get saved, they kept bringing their friends over. And before we know it, we're in this little trash pile of a, of a vacant type of lot, kind of out in this field with trash everywhere, where people were just dumping their trash from their little, you know, from their little shacks that could throw their trash in this field. And we're just in this field. And, and, uh, and, we, and, and before we knew it, the little guy with us, you know, was so amazed that these kids are getting saved and miracles are happening. And before you know it, he starts singing. This African song, and the kids recognized the words because it was in, in a language that they understood too. I can still somewhat remember the words, I'm sure they're all wrong. But the point of the matter is, is when he started singing, this one little kid found this little piece of scrap metal and he picked it up and he found a stick and he started scraping it. Another kid grabbed this little box, and he took, a, he took an old broken, I think it was like a little old broken spoon handle, and he started hitting this box. And we begin to worship the Lord, and tears are coming down their cheeks as they're saying, thank you, God, for saving us. Thank you for bringing us this truth. Thank you for giving us heaven that when we die, when we explain to them, you may be poor right now, but one day you'll live in a mansion with the king of glory forever and ever with little tears coming down their face. And in that moment, in this nasty field with gross stuff all around us, with these little outcasts that nobody cared about, that nobody wanted, that nobody, everybody threw away and got rid of, I'm sitting there with tears coming down my cheek as the 
the Spirit of the Lord came over that field. And I, in that moment, the gratitude of, Lord, I live in the United States. Lord, I have, I have more food than I know what to do with. These kids don't even know if they're going to eat tomorrow. God, I'm so, I have a place to live. I've got shoes. And I've, got, I've got a $50 pair of jeans on. God, what is life all about? And I just remember in that moment being so grateful that he had saved me and so grateful to show that love to these kids. And I realized how selfish and how caught up in myself I was. And it was in that moment I repented like I've never repented. And something shifted in me in that moment. Now cars don't own me. Houses don't own me. Money doesn't own me. The only thing that matters is how good God is and the hurting and the loss of the world to be able to know his goodness uh, spread alive to them who could believe and put their faith in him in that moment of singing. And so we always tell our worship teams, hey, stop performing. I don't care. Let's just, I don't care if you sound good or not. Let's just, te- just get us into God's presence and tell him how good he is. It doesn't matter. These kids are just beating on sticks and, 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 and pieces of metal and pieces of cardboard. And it's powerful because gratitude, that's what praise really is. It's thanking God. Remember our opening passage today out of Psalms 91? I will tell of all your miraculous works. I will not, I, I will come and I will sing and praise the Lord for all that he's done in my life, all that he's done for me, all that he's done through me, all that he's done in me. I will not keep silent. See, your gratitude is directly connected to the revelation of your rescue. It's directly connected to the revelation of your rescue. See, if you think in and of yourself you made life happen, that's why you have a hard time being grateful to the Lord. But when you're like me and realize, man, I was white trash and God changed my life. God came inside of me and gave me a hope and a joy and a plan and a vision for my life. And he's blessed me with some of the most beautiful relationships and friendships. It doesn't matter what I don't have. Look how much I do have. It doesn't matter what does, isn't working. Look what all great things are working in my life. God is so good. And what happens many times is we become ungrateful because we don't have a revelation of how much he's rescued us from. Some of you, you shouldn't be alive. Some of you were living so crazy. Some of you, even you say, well, I wasn't ever wicked. But there were a couple of times you were in cars being stupid as teenagers. You should not be alive. But God and his hand of mercy. The revelation of how he's rescued us directly connects to how much we are grateful and how much, how thankful we are in life. Look what Charles Dickens says. He says, reflect upon your present blessings of which every man has plenty. Not on your past misfortunes, of which all men have some. We all have some misfortunes. But the problem is we reflect on those more than we reflect on all the great things that God's done in our life. There's, and I promise you, there are more amazing things in your life than there are negative things in your life. You and I just don't know how to reflect on them properly. And as a result, we're ungrateful. And in fact, that being ungrateful causes us to miss out on his supernatural power at work in our lives. Look at this other. Frank A. Clark said it like this. If a fella isn't thankful for what he's got... He isn't likely to be thankful for what he's going to get. He's probably not going to be thankful for that either. It's just how it's going to be. So I want to give you a couple key components that I see of a grateful heart. First off, a grateful heart is honoring. A grateful heart is honoring. nothing, Nothing makes me more mad than to see people dishonor one another. Dishonor each other because maybe we see it a little different. Maybe because, you know, the color of our skin. Maybe because of the, our age bracket or something like that. It, it, nothing more frustrating to me that we haven't honored those that are older amongst us better than we should, as good as we should. Nothing, to, you, know, you know, thank you goes a long way, doesn't it? See, thank you is saying, I recognize that you gave something that made my life better. That you're doing something, that you're being something 
that, that advances my life. Thank you for doing that. You want to talk about, ask my children, you want to talk about snatch a knot up on their head? If we're in a restaurant and they're playing with their phone and a little lady's bringing their, bringing their food to the table and they don't stop with their looking and look up in her eyes and say thank you, I will snatch a knot on their head so fast. And the reason that is is because I know that that little lady who's working in the evening has some little kids sitting at home and she's trying to work two jobs and provide for them as a single mom and she's out here serving all these ungrateful little knotheads and my little spoiled kids don't have to do that kind of work and their mama don't have to do that kind of work. God's blessed our family to where we're able to have family dinner together at a nice restaurant and they're not I'd be doggone if they're going to treat that person with that kind of disrespect. When, you, when you're full of gratitude, you honor others. Why? Because you're coming from a place of confidence in and of yourself. I, my trust is in the Lord, so I can be grateful for all that God's doing in your life. I can say thank you for what you are, are giving to me, even, even if I don't always understand. I said thank, thank you so much. Thank you so much for being like that. Thanks for being. It, it's amazing how far thank you will go when you and I are trying our best to help somebody. Isn't that right? Even if it's not working out the way we wanted it to, if, uh, just, if they'll just say thank you you. If those just, man, thanks so much. I don't know about you, but I can't tell you how many times I've walked into a business, a place of operation, and that person there behind the counter, that person, you know, didn't even look up to acknowledge that I was in. I walked into a little uh, place the other day, and the guy behind the counter was sitting there messing with something, and he goes, can I help you? And I'm waiting for him to look up at me, because that's disrespect. He said, oh, that's your generation. You're just old. No, no, no. That's what you call real life. And so he's too busy to look me in the eye. Again, he wasn't raised properly, and obviously their management skills haven't happened to the place where he can learn that. And so I'm just waiting on him, and after a couple of seconds, he finishes texting or whatever he's doing, and he looks up at me. He says, I said, can I help you? I said, yeah, I know I was waiting for you to stop disrespecting me and look at me and treat me like a human being. And he went, I am so sorry. That's okay. Look at, I'm sorry I'll go a long way with me, bro, because I can take my business somewhere else, but I wanted to bring it here. So let's do this thing. And so we got to interact. It was great. But he had to be taught. I'm going to tell you something. If you don't teach your kids to say thank you, I'm going to teach them. Because <clears throat> they need to be grateful. They need to be grateful that they have wonderful parents like you that bring them to church. They need to be grateful that you are doing your best to serve God. You may not have it all figured out. You might still have a long way to go. But thank God you're not what you used to be. Amen? And they need to say thank you. They need thank you for this beautiful house you all provide for us. Thank you so much that I have clothes on my back. You better teach your kids that. Because otherwise we're going to end up with a, with a generation of young kids coming up that are so angry and so frustrated and so competitive and they aren't grateful for anything. And as a result of being ungrateful, we see the hand of God stayed against us. He walks away and says, fine, then do it in and of your own strength. I interact with intellectual people all the time, people who are great thinkers, and they think we're so ignorant that we need to believe in a higher power, they call it, or a living God. I think that's so cute that they think that way because the moment they're dying on a bed of cancer, they start crying out to a God they don't believe in. Because, see, you cannot be the master of your own life. There is no such thing as you being your own God. There is one God in heaven and earth. He created heaven and earth. He created us. And when you and I show our gratefulness for all that he's done in our life, he embraces us like children, like you would with your child. Uh, you think about the child that you love the most out of all your kids. I know you're not supposed to. But think about how grateful that kid is. Mom, thank you so much. You're like, oh, I'm going to give you more. I'll give you more just because you're grateful. God, I feel like it's the same way. Here's the second piece that I've learned about a grateful heart and that a grateful heart is generous. A grateful heart is generous. You can tell people who are grateful for all that God's done. You know some of the greatest givers in this church, some of the greatest givers in my life over the years are not rich people. They're not. 
There's just people who are so grateful that God gave them something that they can't wait to share with someone else. They're just so generous with their time, with their money, with their effort, with their energy. They're just so, they're, they're so grateful that God saved them that they just, they're generous with everything else, with their love, with their compassion. It's magnificent. You know, that's what happened in the book of Acts. When the church came alive, when the outpouring of the Holy Spirit happened there on the day of Pentecost, and then from that point forward, you go look and read chapters 3, 4, 5 of the book of Acts, and the community of believers began to bring all their money, and they said there was nobody in need. Nobody in the church was in need. How could that be? Because they were like, look, I, I got plenty. Here, you take some. Here. And they were just generous. In fact, they got to where they were selling pieces of property and laying at the apostles' feet and said, whatever you got to do, let's just make sure everyone's taken care of. Where did that come from? That came from the place of gratitude that for the first time in the history of the world, the Holy Spirit is now living and abiding in them. The same power that rose Christ from the dead is now inside of them. And they can't help but say, thank you, God. This was the promised gift. Jesus said, go and wait for the promised gift. Talking about the Joel chapter 2, and I'll pour out my spirit on all people. See, in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit would come down upon the priest. He'd come down upon these superhero people, Samson, all these other ones. And then he would lift off. They'd do crazy, miraculous things. And then he would lift off back to heaven. Down, back, down, back. And they do these crazy miracle things And all the little Jewish boys and girls are like One day I want to be a superhero too One day I want to have the spirit of the Lord on my life And then when the moment that it happens At the day of Pentecost That the Holy Spirit comes down and now abides in us Because Jesus doesn't live inside of you He's seated at the right hand of the Father Making intercession for you His Holy Spirit lives and abides in you and I That's who convicts us That's who teaches us and shows us of all truth As the scriptures say in the book of John And as a result of that They can't help but respond Look, I got everything I need The Spirit of God is inside of me I can lay hands on sick people and they'll get healed And so as a result I'm not so worried about collecting all of these earthly possessions Let's give to everyone as they have need This generosity overtook them Because they were grateful of the outpouring of the Spirit of the Lord inside of them. Friend, let me tell you something. You and I got to be quick not to forget all that he's done for you and me. Isn't that good? Say yes. You can do better than that. Say yes. Amen. There was a young single man in our church a couple years ago, and this couple had just gotten married, and they had some kids, and they were struggling to be able to keep jobs because they didn't have a vehicle that ran. And one of the single men in our church, I, I looked up one day, and I saw the, the, the husband driving his, the, the single man's truck. And I said, where'd you get, why are you drawing so-and-so's truck? He said, he gave it to us. I was like, what? I know this guy. He ain't got no money. So I pulled him aside. I said, hey, bro, you gave your truck away? Yeah, yeah, pastor, I did. Gave him a truck to the, you know. I said, why'd you do that? I said, I know you ain't got no money, bro. You can't be giving away no truck. He said, well, the Lord spoke to me. He said, you know, pastor, I'll be okay. He said, but, because God's done so many great things for me. He said, he started listing out all that God's done for him. He said, I'll be okay. I'll just go pick up a little used car or something. You know, I don't have much money, but I don't need much. He said, I don't have to go. He said, they got a family, and they need to be able to provide for their kids. And if they didn't have this good vehicle that, that would run and start every day, they wouldn't be able to go to work. And I just felt like the Lord wanted me to give that to them. Can I tell you something? That's what it looks like. When you're grateful for what God has done, you can't help but be generous to others. Isn't that good? Say yes. Come on, you can do better than that. Say yes. Here's the third thing that I've seen about a, a, a grateful heart, and that is number three, that it spills over with praise. You just can't stop it. You can't, you, you just, it spills out. Oh, God, you're so good. Why you, you know, I love to be together with you on Sunday evenings and just worship God because I'm reminding myself of all the goodness that God's poured out on my life. See, if you sit around and all you think about is all the negative things that are happening in your life and all the things that you didn't feel like was right, then you, then you literally are killing gratefulness and thankfulness in your heart. In fact, I'll say it like this. It'll be on the screen. It is impossible to feel grateful and depressed in the same moment. It's impossible. So what you've done is chosen to be depressed instead of thinking about all the great... You walked in here today. None of you came in here in a wheelchair. 
Somebody else said, thank you, Jesus. You can get up every day and go to work. He's given you the ability to work hard and, and, and make an, an income and a source is coming to you. Listen, you live in the United States of America. If you don't like your job, you can change it and go do something else. You, you live in the greatest country in the world. You say, I don't like our leaders and I don't think this is right and this ain't fair. Let me tell you something. Whatever you think isn't good, go somewhere else and compare it. I tell people all the time, well, go live there then. Go live there. You think Rio is so wonderful? Go live in Brazil. They're rioting in the streets because, because their taxation is so high and their, and their government is so corrupt and they're so frustrated. Let me tell you something. We live in the greatest nation in the world. We were based on fa- Christian foundational principles and you say, well, I just feel like it's just so wicked. Listen, stop being like that and just be grateful that you get to get up every day and live your life pursuing life, liberty, and happiness. God has blessed you and me, and we ought to be grateful. And that should just spring up in praise to our living God. Isn't that good? Say yes. We had this lady uh, uh, when we first were starting our church, and her and her husband came here. And, and, uh, and, and, and we were just getting going, so people from the community were visiting and stuff. And, and I wanted to make a good impression with all our you know, people from the community and tell them that we're not crazy. We're really not that weird. I promise you. We're spirit-led, but we're not spirit-freaky-deaky. You know, we're really God-centered and, and Bible-centered. And, and, uh, and I'm sorry that you know, people mishandled that on YouTube and on television, but that's not us. And, and so, but we had this one lady. And man, I'll tell you, in the middle of worship or while I was preaching, she just shout out, Hallelujah! Just like that. And anyway, you know, not, I don't get surprised by a whole lot, you know. And, and, and she would do that week after week. And, and, and she was kind of new to the church. And I finally, I, I sat down with them one time, Jamie and I. And we just I said, well, tell, your, tell us your story. And uh, she said, I don't share this a whole lot. But she said, 30 years ago, I was away from the Lord. I'd grown up in church, but I went away from the Lord. You know, some people call that backslidden. I was away from the Lord. She said, I was working a job. I was an accountant. And, uh, and thieves broke into that office and, uh, that were working. And, uh, and they decided they were going to steal all the money in the safe. I was the only one there. It was early in the morning. And so they, they uh, you know, they, they took advantage of me sexually. And then, to, so as not to have a witness, they shot me five times in the head. And she said, and as I laid there dying, I said, God, I'm so sorry that I w- walked away from you. And please forgive me. She said, peace came over me. And she said, I woke up in the hospital room some 30-something days later. She said, I still have bullet fragments in my head. She said, and every day that I live is a day of miracles. And I've lived for the last 30 years with this shrapnel in my head, in my brain. So, Pastor, I know sometimes I embarrass you when I get to shout. But I'm just so grateful to be alive. I said, sweetheart, just keep on shouting. And if people get offended by it, they can go somewhere else. Because you know what? I'm not going to stop your gratefulness to your God. It says that the, he threw himself at his feet. He threw himself at the feet of Jesus, thanking him and praising him in a what kind of voice? Loud voice. He said, oh, that's just offensive to me. I don't think people should be so loud. Friend, you obviously have never been desperate. And you've obviously never had the supernatural power of God liberate you from the difficulties of life. Because when that happens, you can't help but be excited. Isn't that good? Say yes. And then the last piece that I would tell you is this, is that a grateful heart leads to miracles. It leads to miracles. Your God will not abandon you, especially when you're so grateful for all the things that he's done and is doing. And I qualify that with a passage out of Acts chapter 16 with Paul and Silas. Paul and Silas have been unjustly beaten and imprisoned. They're just out there preaching. In fact, in this, in this passage, they're going around and this demonized girl is falling after them, making fun of the things of God. 
Paul lets it happen for a couple of days and he turns and he casts the devil out of her. When he does that, it makes her owners, because she's a slave girl, angry because now she can't tell fortunes, which is the way they were making good money off of this girl as a slave. She's now free or liberated. And in that liberation, it makes these slave owners mad. And so they stir up the whole city against them. They bring them out in the middle of the city and they beat the fool out of these guys. Now, I don't know if you've ever been beat. I'm not talking about a whooping from your grandmother. I'm not talking about something that you went through when you were in junior high and you wrestled some little dude in the lunchroom over milk or something like that. I'm talking about a beat down. I'm talking about where they take sticks and they take boards to you. And that's basically what they did. I would imagine that they had cracked ribs and, and, and bloody eyes. I would imagine blood was coming out of their ears and, and, and scars across their forehead as they got gashes of being uh, uh, cracked open. And then if that's not injury to insult, they then take them, chain them up in prison where they're sitting there in the middle of the night, freezing cold, beat down, wounded. They didn't just throw them in prison. They beat them down. And as they sit in prison, this passage says it, and I'll show it to you real quick. And this passage in chapter 16, verse 25, it says about midnight. Now, I don't know about you, but at midnight, I'm not happy about nothing. Especially if I'm beat down. Come on, think about that. About midnight, Paul and Silas were what? Praying and singing hymns to God. And the other prisoners were listening to them. Verse 26. Suddenly, there was a violent earthquake that the foundations... Excuse me. Suddenly, a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison uh, were shaken. At once, all the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains came out, came off, came loose. Excuse me. So I want you to picture this. So they're sitting there. They're all beat up. About midnight, they're chained. You know, their hands are chained to the wall. And they're sitting there. And Paul looks over at Silas. And he starts going, <laughs> we're suffering for Jesus, man. I know, right? Thank you, Jesus, that you considered us worthy to suffer for you. Hallelujah, 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 our God reigns. Silas starts harmonizing, hallelujah, and they start harmonizing. And his Bible says that all the prisoners, now whatever they're talking about, they're not chained like these guys are, they're chained in the inner, inner circle of that prison. They're all listening from their, and they stop talking, and they start listening. What gathers the attention of the lost like never before? In the middle of the night when everyone else is complaining, and this ain't fair, this is unjust. Let me tell you what the believer is supposed to do. Hallelujah! Jesus is worthy. He sits on the throne and reigns. And I'm so thankful that I'm alive and well in Christ. And as they begin to praise the Lord, the, all of a sudden the foundations of the earth begin to shake. You say, well, I live in California before. And I know earthquakes happen. So I don't know if that's just a miracle or just a coincidinky. Uh, a quinky dinky as the kids say it. Well, let me tell you something. That may be true. And it could have been a coincidence. But coincidences and earthquakes don't fall, cause chains to fall off of your wrist. And the prison doors to open. Because if that was the case, I want to be in prison in California. So that the next earthquake, I can run free right out the middle of that prison. Come on now. We're talking about a miracle. Everybody say miracle. miracle. See, in our gratitude, he does miracles. Supernatural things. He responds to them worshiping and praising him. I'll tell you, believer, if you can learn that in your darkest moments, if you can just say, God, you're good. Lord, I want to I go down the list of all the things you've been good to me in. Lord, I, you know, I know that things aren't good right now, but let me just tell you, you've been good to me here, 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 here. And you just begin to praise him and worship him. See, singing songs in church, that's not what we do. We come together to worship 
and praise our God for all that he's done, is doing, and going to do in our lives. Isn't that good? Say amen. I want to challenge you on something. This week is Thanksgiving. I want to challenge you to do something. I want, you to, I want you to show gratitude and thankfulness for every person that comes to Thanksgiving with you. In fact, I'd like to challenge you. Why don't you take a piece of paper, and I want you to take the name of uh, maybe your grandfather, and I want everybody to write a little something about why they're grateful for the grandfather. Paul, Paul, depending on what part of the country you're from. Write it down. To pull, tear it in strips and put it in the bowl. And, and, and then for grandma, and then for you, and then for your kids. And, and write all these little things that you're thankful for. And as you sit around the table, instead of talking about, you know, what you think should happen in the NFL, and what you don't think is right with this thing and that thing, how about you pull those things out and say, oh, grandpa, someone wrote about you, grandpa. They're thankful that you're always there anytime they need you. Oh, that's awesome. Next one. Uncle Bill, they're thankful that you're not drunk this week. Okay, that was my son. Sorry. God bless you. But right, and li- listen, as you and I begin to show gratitude for one another, can you, you don't understand the miraculous thing that happens in our hearts. Over the years in small group life, I've, I've done small group life since I was 14, 15 years old. Over the years, there'd be these moments where we would take a chair and put it in the middle of the room. We'd set each of us in it at a time, and we'd go around the circle saying, I'm grateful for your life because of this. Your life has touched my life because of this, 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 and this. And you can't imagine, you can't imagine what it does to, that, the, that the community of believers are grateful that you're alive. That they saw that time that you made a little bit of an effort, and it blessed them. Friend, I want you to know something. Gratitude is one of the key components God releasing his supernatural power in our lives. I tell you, I don't know about you, but I, don't, I can't stand to be around someone who's always complaining and it's never enough. You give them a little something, they go, well, why didn't you give me this? Like, don't worry. I won't ever give you anything else again. You say, well, that's fleshly. I know, I know. And I know God's not like that. But I will say this. I know that God's heart is such that he loves us. And the Bible says he resists the proud. But he gives grace to the humble. See, when you and I are full of gratitude, that's real, really what that is, is humility. Because we recognize we didn't do this. We couldn't have accomplished this. We couldn't have done this in our own strength were it not for God's mercy on our lives. I don't know about you, but I'd like this year and this next week, let's don't skip over Thanksgiving and go straight to Black Friday and see how many more things we can consume and buy and, 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 and get. What if we just took this moment like it was supposed to be and tell God how grateful we are for all that he's done? And may you and I be people of gratitude. I promise you, if you'll wake up every day and start thinking him that your water runs in your sink and that you've got teeth to be able to brush, come on, somebody. And you'll just start thanking him for all throughout the day, all the little things. I promise you, all the big things that seem so terrible in your life won't even exist anymore. They, they won't matter because you'll realize how blessed you really are. Would you stand with me all across the room tonight? You've been so gracious to me tonight, and I, I want to thank you for that. And I want you just to join hands with that person next to you for just a moment. We're going to close out the service tonight. And a little bit, maybe a little awkward for you, but I think he's well, in deser- he's well deserving of it. But we're going we're gonna to take the next couple uh, seconds, probably about 120 seconds. And just under your breath or out loud, wherever you're comfortable, I want you to think about all the things that you're grateful for. You should thank him for that beautiful spouse that you have. You should thank him. You say, well, my, my husband's not saved yet, friend. He's still with you, sweet love. He didn't run off with somebody else just because you came and cursed. Thank the Lord for him. You should thank the Lord that we live in this precious, wonderful nation of freedom. 
that we had. That you can have an opinion and, and like or not like who got beca- who became president or not or like who became governor. Whoever, whatever's transit. You live in a place of beauty and you need to thank him for it. Let's take a moment and thank you, the Lord, for all that he's done for you. All the miracles that he's been doing for you. Father, we thank you so much. Lord, I thank you for giving me the most amazing salvation experience, oh God. Once I was blind, but now I see. Thank you, Lord, for delivering me from me. Thank you, Jesus, for all the grace and mercy you poured out upon me. All my stupidity and all my foolishness, oh God, that you've been so gracious towards me, oh God, that you've loved me and you've kept your hand upon my life, even in my rebellious times, oh God, that you sought after me. Thank you, Jesus. I thank you, Lord God, that I was fearfully and wonderfully made, that you knew me before the foundations of the earth. You picked me, that you've numbered the hairs on my head because you love me. Thank you for caring about me, Lord. Thank you for giving me the most beautiful woman on the planet to be my wife. Father, thank you for my precious children, oh God, who love you, Lord. It's just a miracle that they they see goodness, oh God, through me to you, oh God. Thank you so much, oh God, for this beautiful congregation that I get to serve and be their pastor, Lord God. Lord, I thank you for all the journeys of life, all the hardships, all the good things, all the bad things, because they made me who I am today. Thank you, oh God, for your grace that's poured out to each and every one of us. Come on, I want you to keep telling him you're thankful. Thank thank you for, for my job. Come on, tell him that. Thank you, thank you for the for the people I get to work with. I know you got one or two that's hard to deal with, but listen to all the other sweet people that you work with. Father, I just list them out before you, Lord, all the precious souls that I get to do life with, Lord, all the amazing people that, Lord God, that I get to, to interact with, oh God, my life is so much better because of them, Lord. I thank you so much, oh God, for family that serves the Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that my mom and dad are Christians and somehow you transformed my stepdad from a crackhead, Lord God, to a man of God. Thank you, Lord God, for my in-laws who are so gracious and so giving and so kind to so many and loved you ever ever since I've ever known them, Lord God. Thank you so much, oh God. Thank you so much, Lord God, for for the great heritage that we have, Lord God, through Granny and all that she served you and Lord taught us, oh God, over the years. Lord, I bless you. I thank you for this precious facility that we get to worship in and the comfort of this facility. Thank you, Daddy. I'm so grateful and I'm I'm so ashamed of the times that I've been ungrateful. Please forgive me. Please have mercy on me in Jesus' name. Would you just put your hands down for just a moment? I want you to think about where you have been critical where you have been ungrateful whether where you have uh you have not given the right uh thankfulness to the lord as which he deserves i don't know about you but i don't want to be a part of the nine i want to be a part of the one i want to be like that one he called him a foreigner he wasn't even a jewish boy i don't want to be like those guys that took him for granted was so selfish and so caught up in the miracle that they forgot the miracle giver. I don't want to be so caught up in the goodness that God's doing for me that I forget the God who loves me deeply and show him the gratitude that he deserves. And so right there where you stand, no one's looking around, your head's bowed, your eyes closed, and we're just doing a little bit of business with the Lord. If you realize you've been ungrateful, you've been judgmental and critical, you've not been grateful for the job that you have or the spouse that you have or the children that God's given you, or grateful for the opportunities to study where you get to study, you've been complaining about it. I want you just to repent right where you're at and the Lord will have mercy on that. I want you just to humble yourself because see it takes humility to run back to the master and say thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. It takes sovereign, sovereign, sovereign trust to say it was you who did this for me and I trust you with every part of who I am. It's God's power at work in you and me friend. It's only because it's but by grace that we've been saved. Not, not, Not by any other reason. Not by works 
because we, we're not able to boast of what we've done. And friend, don't, don't give into that trick, that lie, that somehow you're good enough, that somehow you've done right. Oh, it's been but by grace, and he's so merciful. Father, we love you. We thank you for your grace bestowed upon us. Now, as you've got your head bowed and your eye closed, I want to give a call to anyone who may be away from the Lord. You say, Pastor, i got to be honest, I'm not a Christian. If I died today, I don't think I'd go to heaven. I don't really know God. I, I used to know him, but I walked away from him. Or I've never known him, but I want to know him today. I want Jesus to be my best friend. With no one looking around, I'd like to pray with you. I'd like to introduce you to Jesus. You say, well, what do I have to do to be a Christian? Well, here's the beauty. Jesus already did it all. He died on a cross. He paid for every one of our transgressions. And all our response is supposed to be, according to Scripture, is to confess with our mouth and believe in our heart that He is the Christ, the Son of the living God. He will then fill you with His Holy Spirit, empower you to overcome the temptations of this horrible world and connect you in the body of believers in a place where you'll find all that God has for you. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if I'm speaking to you right now, say, Pastor, I'm away from God. I don't know the Lord. I'm, I don't want to live like this anymore. I don't want to die in my sin. I want to make Jesus my Lord. With no one looking around, I'd like to pray with you if that's you. Would you just admit that by lifting your hand, courageously th throwing it up in the air? Say, Pastor, pray for me. I'm away from the Lord. I want to know him, and I want to be right with him. I'll give you about three seconds. Anyone in the room, pray for me, Pastor. Here's my moment. Here's my time. Two more seconds. Anyone else? One. Amen. No one's lifted your hand. So what that means is either you're in that spot where you say, Pastor, I'm doing my best to serve God. I love him. Or either you say, you know what? I really don't care. I wish you'd shut up and end this service so I can go get some pizza. Friend, I love you, and I'm so grateful that you are with us today. And as we go to close, I want to speak a blessing over every man and woman in this room that you would always be grateful, that you would always recognize God's handiwork on your life and in your life. Father, I bless your people. I thank you for your kindness towards us. I thank you, Lord, you've been so merciful to us. And Lord, even in our stupidity and our mistakes and our blindedness and our, you know, our blind spots, we don't even see you've been so gracious. You don't embarrass us. You don't humiliate us. And Daddy, we say thank you. And Lord, I pray, Lord Jesus, that, that as uh, they take their vacation times and they're with family, Lord God, and things are happening and some of the old wounds and even those who've lost relatives and don't have, don't have a real divine connection with their family, Lord God, that in that you would bring healing and miracle, miraculous power would work. And Lord, I just thank you right now for all that you've done. Would you say this with me? Say, Jesus, thank you. Say it out loud. Thank you for saving me, for transforming me. Thank you for filling me with your Holy Spirit. Thank you for all the miracles that you've done over all the years. I will never cease to praise your name in Jesus' name.